text this morning is from John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, For those who, lo those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, come alongside in us this morning and create in us the peace we need to rest in your presence. Amen. Well, as I mentioned at the start of the service, this week is uh, the first of three weeks that we will be spending in the sermon that Jesus gave at his Last Supper that's recorded in the Gospel of John. And this puts us a little bit out of order as we read through John's Gospel. Uh, we've missed Jesus riding on the donkey into Jerusalem on what we now call Palm Sunday. We've also missed some of Jesus' teaching uh, during uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of that week in Jerusalem. Uh, and of course, we've missed Jesus washing the disciples' feet earlier in this same evening. However, since we'll hear all of these events during Holy Week at the end of the month, I wanted to take these few weeks in the middle of Lent to focus on Jesus' Last Supper sermon. If you've ever read straight through John's Gospel, you may have been surprised just how much space John dedicates to the Last Supper compared to the other evangelists. Where Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they each dedicate about 20 or 30 verses uh, to Jesus' Last Supper with his disciples, John's Gospel dedicates more than 150, quite a bit more. All of John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 take place in this time between the start of the meal and Jesus' arrival in the garden, where he will be arrested. And most of John's account is of this last sermon that he gives, that Jesus gives prior to his crucifixion. If you were here Wednesday evening, you've already heard some of this, but in preparation for this sermon, I've been reading through uh, Martin Luther's commentary on John 14, 15, and 16, uh, a commentary that is more than 400 pages long, by the way. 
And uh, I want to read to you just how he introduces this sermon in his preface. Luther writes, The 14th chapter of John and the two that follow it contain the beautiful sermon delivered by Christ after the celebration of the Last Supper on the threshold of his suffering and his departure from his beloved disciples. With this sermon, he wanted to comfort and strengthen them, both against the present sadness occasioned by his departure and against the suffering that they would endure because of the devil, the world, and their own conscience. Indeed, here we find the best and most comforting sermon preached by Christ while on this earth. Uh, That's high praise. And it points to what Jesus is about here. As we read at the beginning of John's uh, telling of this evening, the Last Supper, way back in John chapter 13, verse 1, we read, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus knows that at the end of this evening, from the moment that Judas Iscariot will bring those soldiers to arrest him, the disciples will no longer have the day-to-day experience of Jesus that they have enjoyed for the past three years or so. Though he will appear to them several times for brief snippets after his resurrection, after this evening they will no longer have him continually present, at least not in a way they can directly see and hear, smell and touch. Instead, from this time on, their relationship with Jesus will continue in much the same way that our relationship with Jesus continues, through the activity of the Holy Spirit, calling us through God's Word, enlightening us, sanctifying us, safely keeping us with Jesus Christ in faith. Rather than following Jesus by sight, as they were able to do during his ministry, they must now walk by faith alone. And while this transition was a necessary one, Jesus knew that it would not be an easy one, since living by faith in a world that is hostile to God brings with it all kinds of suffering. So he seeks to comfort these disciples, to love them to the end. And in doing so, he speaks also to us, modern-day disciples, as we make our way through our own ordeals. And boy, are there ever ordeals. I mean, we face ordeals that threaten our bodies, Uh, Globally, uh, humanity in general, it seems, is at threat, more at risk maybe than ever before because of the looming threats of terrorism, of, of climate change, of nuclear conflict. Just in our own country in the past six months, it seems we've been in this perpetual cycle of shootings and fears of shootings. I mean, even here in the Lower Valley, just this last week, there have been multiple lockdowns in our schools and even arrests here in Grandview due to threats of violence. I'm not even mentioning the fact that we were broken into last night. We face ordeals that threaten our society. There's political divisiveness, even disagreement around basic facts. Uh, There's a crisis, I think, of parenting. Uh, There's an impermanence that has taken over our families. We've got disputes around sex and gender, uh, a struggle to overcome our legacy of slavery, a decreasing influence of the church, of Christianity, and that's just to name a few of the struggles before us. And of course, we have personal ordeals, those which face us day in and day out, those which keep us up at night. You probably don't have to think very hard to recall what those might be. 
all of these ordeals have an effect on us, and that is that they trouble our hearts. They stir up anxiety and worry and fear, and we start to look for ways to overcome them or maybe to numb our hearts from the worry, or at least to understand what's going on around us. Because the remedy to fear, so we think, is control. If only I could get some answers, we tell ourselves, or maybe some tools or strategies to be more successful, or at least a way to tamp down the fear, then I could have peace. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's not much in the way of answers or tools or strategies present in our reading today. In fact, you can just open uh, this passage 14 to to 16 and just read it straight through if you want, and uh, you don't find a lot of clear explanations. Jesus speaks in almost a circular way, lots of images, lots of metaphors, uh, but you don't get much in the way of answers. In, in fact, rather than giving us more control in our lives, this sermon of Jesus might just do the opposite. Rather than giving us straightforward answers, every line gives, raises questions. Rather than here is a special formula for success, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. Now, this is no accident. It's not just that Jesus is a poor communicator. Rather, when we disciples face hardship and trial, Jesus doesn't give us answers, at least not usually, but assurance. Rather than giving us the tools to do it ourselves, Jesus assures us of his own ability and intention to provide. Now, to the sinner in us, the old creature, what Paul calls the flesh, this decision by Jesus is terribly frustrating. It's frustrating because the sinner in us, the old creature, wants nothing more than to be in control, to be able to solve uh, his or her own problems and to take credit for his or her successes. I mean, if the sinner in us could decide, Jesus would in fact give peace just as the world gives. That works very well for us through self-help books, uh, through training, uh, maybe some pills, a prescription of some kind. Uh, Stated simply, the sinner in us just doesn't trust Jesus or his intentions. And so it finds this lack of clarity, this lack of control given by Jesus, well, it finds it threatening. But on the other hand, for the new creature in us, the person created by the Holy Spirit, the person who trusts in God, who is being made righteous through faith, for this person, the assurance of Jesus is worth more than 10,000 answers. Because answers may be satisfying for a time, but they rely on you to make use of them properly. And somehow we always find a way to fall short. But the promises of Jesus, those rely on nothing but him and his abilities and his strength and his foresight. Well, they far surpass our own. So so listen, listen to just a few of the assurances of Jesus in this reading. Cling to them, rest in them, keep them close at hand. Jesus says, I will not leave you orphaned. Jesus says, my father and I will come and make our home with you. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. 
These promises of Christ belong to you. They are your shelter in storms of life. They are your anchor in an uncertain and hostile world. And in them you have a treasure, one that will sustain you through every trial, through every ordeal, even through death itself, strengthening you and keeping you unto life everlasting. Amen.